Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. We are supported financially by HaribouBooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning and welcome again to the Express Church Experience. Church brought to you in your house and I want to thank you yet again another week for you opening your house to us. I'm glad you're here and I want to thank Jeff and Blue Exit Audio. He opens up his studio every Sunday morning since people to, to be able to bring God's word to those who are shut in, those who cannot go out because of coronavirus, those whose lifestyle dictates that church should be brought to them in their house can have an express church experience because Blue Exit Audio opens his studio on Sunday. And I want to ask for a special prayer, a special prayer here today for our nation. And I want that special prayer I'm asking to be a prayer of unity, a prayer that our nation lives up to its creed of one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I want to ask this request of you to pray for our nation because I believe our nation needs this prayer more than now more than any other time. And last week, I put a, a, a put a post on Facebook and I read, I'm going to read the post. I said, I have an identity crisis. My right wing Christian patriot friends tell me I'm not Christian if I don't vote for the Republican candidate. My left leaning civil rights, civil liberty, union activist friends tell me if I don't vote for Biden, I'm not black. In my post, I said, I wonder what I am if I don't vote for either party. And that blew up Facebook. At last count, there was over 70 comments, very good comments. And I'm, I'm thankful that the people that I associate with, friends that I have on the right, love America, were respectful to those who are on the left, love our nation. They had spirited debate. There was very few that called each other names, and I'm thankful that we had that respectful, spirited debate. But I think that we need to have prayer for our nation. And one of the comments that I got was from what I call one of the faithful women of our church. And I say our church, the church that I preach at every third Sunday. She And, and, and I know she prays for me every week and has been doing it for a decade that I've been preaching every third, every third Sunday at that church. She said a simple comment, Stephen, why did you start this? You knew I smiled because she should know who I am. Stephen, why did you start this? You knew what reaction, we knew what the reaction would be. And so I sent her an email yesterday and I said, I'm going to preach and mention you in church today because I was reading from the readings this week 
from the Revised Common Lectionary, which I try the best I can to, do, to read from the Revised Common Lectionary so that people that hear this experience, people that are shut in, can still feel that they are connected with millions of Christians around the world. And the Revised Common Lectionary reading for today comes from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, but I like how the book of Philippians is written. I like how Paul did it. I say, I say that the Philippians is a book of unity. And this is why I say that if we walk through each of the chapters, 1, 2, 3, and 4, chapter 1, Philippians 1, 15 and 18 says, Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. And then Paul said, what does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached. Then he goes on, chapter 2, Paul says, in, uh, by be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, conceit but in humility consider others better than yourself. Unity, coming together, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I can hear Paul's words speaking not only to the church of Philippi, but I can hear Paul's words preaching to the people in the United States of America, a nation that claims to be a nation under God. And we get to chapter three, and Paul says, joining with others, be humble, don't be motivated by selfishness, have as the sole purpose that Christ is preached. And then we continue on through the book of Philip, uh, the book of the Philippians, and we get to Philippians chapter four. And I want to focus in on verses two and three, and I'm going to spend some of the time that we have here today talking about Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. And this is the time that I take a little pause to let folks that want to open up their Bibles or want to uh, pause the, the screen so that they can pull it up on whatever device they have. Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. It says... I plead with Eudia and I plead with Synergy to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. That's Philippians 4 verses two and three. And I'm wondering today if anybody else can say that they hearing Paul's voice coming from a Roman prison pleading for unity. And I think that Paul would make that same plea if he was talking to the United States of America today. I could hear Paul saying, I plead with the Democrats and Eudia. I plead with the Republicans and Sinashe that there is unity and agreement with each other in the Lord. I, and I look at 
if we should have peace and we should have unity as one nation under God, why is it that we don't? And now I'm going to say a couple of things. I believe that the reason why we have disagreement is because it's one of positional pride. That's what I'm what word I'm going to use today. One of positional pride. Now, sometimes pride and respect and, and vigor to your position is a good thing. So when I say positional pride, it's just a, to get ourselves and our mind open to what either side and the reason why they have their position. Positional pride led a pastor to say, vote Republican or go to hell. He didn't quite say it that way, but that's what I got from it. He said, you can't be a Christian and vote for Biden. That's his exact quote. And I, but now I want to talk to you about my experience, a little experience that I've had over the course of my political career and my legal career. In the 1990s, I had the honor to be an appointee of the Republican governor of Minnesota. And what I found was the main point of the Republicans during the six years that I worked in his administration was that Republicans hated Democrats. Everything the Democrats did was wrong. The singular focus of the Republicans at that time, which I don't believe has changed this time, was to beat the, the Democrats and everything that the Democrats do what then, and I think the position is that the Republicans have today, that everything that the Democrats do today is wrong. I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sinichi to agree with each other in the Lord. In those days, I didn't see a desire of unity with the Republicans. And when, and when I came to Arizona in 2006, after I came here for a few years, I ran for public office in 2006 as a Democrat so that there would be opposition because we're in the most conservative district in the United States and Republican candidates run unopposed because Democrats don't feel that they can win. And so I ran just so that there would be opposition in the race. And when I was working with the Democrats on my campaign, there was one thing that I found. The Democrats, what? Hate the Republicans. Everything the Republicans do, the Democrats think is wrong. The singular focus of the Democrats is to beat the Republicans. I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sinishi to agree with each other in the Lord. And when I ran for office as a Democrat, someone came to me and said, how can you be a minister and be a Democrat? Oh man, I, I, I love when people come and ask questions. How can you be a minister and be a Democrat? It is impossible to be both. That's what somebody said to me and my response was, I used to hang out with hypocrites and brood of vipers. And now I hang out with tax collectors and sinners. Now for those that understand biblical principles, and I told my brother yesterday, he found it to be rather humorous how I focused in and talked about both groups, both the Republicans who I used to hang out with and the Democrats who I used to, who I hung out with after in 2006, 
But for those that want a little more explanation on what I was getting at, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law mumbled, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And the first part of the statement, and that comes from Luke chapter 15, 1 and 2, talking about the tax collectors and the sinners. The second part comes from Matthew 23. And I invite you to read Matthew 23, 13 to 33. But I'm going to focus in on Matthew 23, 23. It says, woe to you, teachers of the Lord, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a 10, 10% of your spices and your mint and your dill and your cumin, but you neglect the more important. I had on a pause there because I put it in bold and I put it in underlined in my reading here today so that I wouldn't miss focusing in on that. Jesus was telling the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those who lifted themselves up as knowledgeable and followers of God's law. He said, you neglected the more important matters of law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And being involved in the law and justice field, for over 40 years, I have seen what different sides, Republican appointees in, in the judicial office and Democrat appointees in the judicial office and how the Republican uh, majority Supreme Court and how the states and local political appointees, the judicial political appointees have gone. And I'm not gonna say that they're, that they're all fit into categories, but I have some concerns that I'm gonna put, put out here today. For example, those that advocate for the death penalty have no problem putting a juvenile to death as a punishment for a crime, but will fight to save an unborn child. And I'm not judging, I'm just reporting. For my 40 years vantage point, this is what I have. I have that, the, that there's a certain group that believes in that it's not no not a problem to have a mentally ill person who is unable at the current time to stand trial for a capital crime. But they will spend time, money, and effort to restore that person to where they're able to stand trial so that they can convict them and they can execute them. I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sinishi to agree with each other in the Lord. That is what I am called to do, to agree with each other in the Lord. And I try to remember that when I ran for political office in 2006 and I sent a text message to my opponent that I ran against in 2006 and I want that to sink in because it had to sink in with me and it had to sink in with him. I said, we ran against each other almost 15 years ago. We are still text messaging each other 15 years later. At that time, my opponent and I were from different uh, political backgrounds, political parties. He was a multi-generational native of Arizona. I was a new Minnesota transplant. 
He had a he has a different religious affiliation. We are different racial and social backgrounds. We are different, but I can hear now and I can hear it then. Paul saying, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sinashi to agree with each other in the law. And after the first debate that we had, I came to him and I said, can I talk to you privately? And while we we're private, I said, I want to pray with you. And now I want everybody to get ready because I'm going to tell you what his answer was. So I, I hope you're ready. So tell me if you're ready. Say, I'm ready, preacher. All right. He said, I can't pray with you right now. I can't pray with you right now. Now, if you need to pause the, the, the screen for a minute, talk with the people who are next to you so you can kind of get your own opinion about what was wrong with this gentleman or what was going on in his mind that he, he said he could not pray with me right now. I'm gonna allow you that opportunity to do that. And then I'm gonna say what, tell you what happened after that. I can't pray with you right now. He said, I need to get my son and bring him here so he can pray with us. I, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Synergy that they agree with each other in the, in the Lord. This man could not pray with me until he had his son. And I texted him yesterday and I said, how old was your son 15 years ago? His son was 10 years old. He's 25 years old now, roughly. He was nine or 10 years old at the time. And this man felt it was so important that his son learned that lesson that no matter how much you disagree in politics, no matter how much you might be of different religious affiliation or genealogical background, that it is important that we come together united in Christ, not only us as adults, but that we bring generational unity to our children. I'm hoping somebody gets this today, generational unity to our children. Too often, we look at how we're going to be different and how we teach our children dissension and how we teach our children division and how we teach our children oppression. And people say, have posted that racism isn't something that you're born with. Racism is something that you're taught. Sexism isn't something that you're born with. Sexism is something that you're taught. Disagreement with people from a different country isn't something you're, you're born with. It's something that you're taught. And when adults are teaching dissension and oppression and generational, political, race, religious, social classism, then I think that we're doing a disservice to our children, doing a disservice, especially if we're trying to teach them to be Christian fathers and mothers and Christian husbands and wives and leaders in our community trying to bring unity in the body of Christ. And I hope the pastor who said, if you are a Christian, if you're a Christian, you can't vote for Biden. And I say that he, that he really is putting the message out. You're either voting Republican or you go to hell. I'm wondering, hoping that he hears the message that when two people of different backgrounds got together 
and had to bring their child in so that they could pray. And we did that after each of the debates that we had. We fought vigorously about our position while the cameras are going on and while the audience was there. After it was done, we went over into the corner so that we could be by ourselves and we could pray. We could pray for our nation. We prayed for each other. We prayed for the voters. We prayed for wisdom. We prayed for unity. We need to have that same prayer. I'm wondering whether or not somebody has the word into the debate people. If there's going to be another one saying, I want to see both Biden and, and Trump coming together, praying either before or after. I wondered myself what would happen if Biden said, I got to be outside the hospital and be with the people who are praying for Donald Trump while he was in the hospital with coronavirus. I wonder what would happen if Trump had a commercial that said, I continue to pray for Biden who lost his wife, who Biden who, who lost his son, and I continue to pray that peace comes to him. I wonder why our, our leaders in one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, can't have our leaders who can disagree on the direction of the country, but can't come together in unity of the Lord. So, a few years later, I ran for political office again. Didn't learn my lesson the first time, apparently, that I'm in the most conservative district in the United States. The second time I ran for political office, with a guy that I consider a friend then, and I continue to consider a friend now. I text him too, said, I'm gonna be talking about you in church today. He said, I'm out of town, I'm in Utah, but otherwise I come and hear what you have to say. So Bob, I'm gonna send this to you and I wanna thank you for your continued friendship and I hope you remember what I remember from that election. So during the middle of the election, I don't know if Bob texts me or I text him and we said, let's go, let's have some breakfast. Let's break some bread and fellowship in the Lord. So we met at a restaurant and this guy starts walking by us and he saw me because he was walking towards me. And then out of the corner of his eye, he saw my, my opponent, Bob. And he did a double, double take. And then he called Bob later and he said, I saw you and Zachary having breakfast. And Bob reminds me of, still, I remember what Bob said. Breaking bread and fellowship is more important than political differences. I'm going to say that again because there's a whole lot of folks who may need to hear that today. Breaking bread and fellowship is more important than political differences. And, and talking about my political affiliation during the election, people said, how can you be a minister and be a Democrat, run as a Democrat? I told him it's very simple. I'm a Christian, conservative, liberal Democrat. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say it just like that, just so somebody can see it and, and try to fix that, that image in your mind. I'm a Christian, conservative, liberal Democrat. And I believe that's what Jesus would be if he was walking in the United States today. I believe that Jesus would continue to say, render unto Caesar what is Caesar and render under God what is God and say that, that that can equate to separation of church and state. 
I can hear Jesus saying separation of church and state doesn't mean a separation of God and country. I, I believe that he would say we should continue to have prayer every morning. I believe that he would say that we need to, to continue to, to recognize the Sabbath and take a day where everything is closed down, where I think that he would say that we need to have time each day for families to come together, make sure they're off work and time so that they can go to the temple, they can go to the church, they can go to the synagogue, they can go to their house of worship and worship God, lifting up God and unity and fellowship. I think Jesus would be a Christian conservative, liberal Democrat. I believe that he would respect the flag of the United States of America and those who are running for political office. Why do I think that? I'm going to bring you to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And Romans chapter 13 starts out this way. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, who rebels against the authority is rebelling against God. And I think that Jesus would lift up the children starting from the womb. I think that he would pose the taking of life and the stopping of their future. I think that he would be preaching that God knitted them in the womb and had a plan for them before they were even born and counted the hairs on their head even as they were in the womb. Let, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder, hinder them, Jesus said, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to the children. And I think that he would be a Christian conservative, but I also think he would be a liberal Democrat. I think that he would ask, make sure that the government fed the hungry, welcomed the immigrants, and didn't put a wall up. I think that the, he would ask and demand that the accused and the prisoners be treated with justice, grace, mercy, and love. I think he would oppose, especially capital punishment, as it relates to the juveniles and the mentally ill. You have heard that, it's, that it was said, Jesus said. You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, oh, I know there's a whole lot of Bible hearing people who know how this sentence ends. So I'm going to let you say it when I say it. I'm going to say the start the sentence over again. And I know that you know what I'm talking about. So feel free to say it with me. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to them also. And I don't know what your walk is with Christ. I don't know what you, your belief is. But I think Jesus would have the same rebuke that he gave to the religious leaders, you hypocrites and brood of vipers, would be the same rebuke that he would have for some political people and people that, that are focusing in on one political party than the other. I think that he would have the same directive that he gave to a certain person that he met along the way 
when they asked him, what should we do now? He said, go and sin no more. I think that that's what the lesson that he would have to those who are engaging in activities that are contrary to the will of God, no matter what side of the aisle they call it, you're on. I can, I think Jesus would say, listen to the voice of my servant, Paul, when he says, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sinashi to agree with each other in my name. Yes. And I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these people who, can, who were contending at my side for the cause of the gospel and along with Clement and the rest of my loyal yoke fellows whose names are in the book of life. Paul made three pleas. Paul made three pleas. The first one is he pleaded to Eudia, and I like how the name uh, meaning of Eudia means prosperous journey. I know that there's some people of a particular political persuasion that have are on a prosperous journey, and I think Paul is pleading to them the same way he was pleading to Eudia then. The second person is Sinichi. Her name means pleasant acquaintance. And I like how that is. You have a woman on a prosperous journey and a woman who is a pleasant acquaintance. The women who worked hard to bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ resurrected, but could not agree with each other. They love their church, but they disagree with each other. Today, we have people who love our country, but hate our neighbor next to us. The one that has the Trump sign, the Trump flag flying, or the one that has the Biden sign in the front yard. We think that we love America, but we can't stand the person. We, I was driving to work one day, and I saw a Trump sign defaced, and it made me angry. It made me angry because a person has taken the time to run for political office, has taken the time to expose their family to the criticism and ridicule that comes with running for political office. His workers took the time to put the sign up and took their money to pay for the signs to be made. And with disrespect, with disrespect, people defaced the sign. So I sent a message to the Republican Party of Arizona and I said, I may not agree with you or your candidate politically, but I agree with the fact that the, his sign should never be defaced. Can you send somebody over to replace that sign? That's where we should come together in unity, hoping that we have a modern day Eudia and a modern day Sinichi who are hearing the message of unity that Paul gave in the first century, hearing the message in God's holy word, a plea for unity and a plea for agreement. I hope those who are listening today understand that it is time for us as a nation to put down our division and put down our dissension and lift up love and lift up justice and lift up mercy and lift up grace and lift up agreement and lift up unity in the name of Jesus. I hope that there's folks that are hearing the words that God spoke through the Apostle Paul to another church, the church of Ephesus. 
Paul had a similar message for the church at Philippi that he had for the church of Ephesus, that he has for the United States of America today and to the church at Ephesus. Paul says, again, he's in prison. We're free. We're free to be able to have debate and division and we're free to have unity and love. Paul as a prisoner says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. I want that to sink in in case somebody fell up, fell up, started talking or decided to want to get a little another cup of coffee and missed what, the, what Paul said. Paul said, I, as a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. What is that calling you received? Paul said, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. And then Paul gave a message to the church at Ephesus that I think we need to have a reminder of the United, in the United States of America today. There is just one body and one spirit, just as we are called to one hope when we were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And that's Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. Today we have people who are hurting. We have people who are suffering. People who need unity of prayer. People praying for our nation instead of dissension. Fighting. We need to have prayer for those who are de who dedicated their lives to political office. Those who have decided to lift up their ideas to try to make the country better. We can disagree on the direction we're going, but we cannot disagree on the fact that we are one nation under God. We cannot disagree with the fact that we should be a nation where liberty and justice rings loud, where unity in Christ Jesus is the order of the day, where we are, where, where fellowship in the name of the Lord is more important than political positions. We need it more now. And I started this message by saying we need to pray for America. I'm ending this message by saying we need to pray for America, pray for unity, and require our political leaders to do the same. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert, the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook. And feel free to send me an email to the message2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's haribobooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.